Good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. On today's show, I'm going to talk about the probably the number one thing you can do as a consumer to protect yourself when you're dealing with um, tax preparers. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, then also, what is probably the number one thing that uh, a business owner, business decision maker can do in order to make their business successful in the next decade? And have it survive the economic turmoils. All right, so let's get to those two things. I always love talking about specific examples because it helps people relate to something. Now, a lot of times people are frustrated by information technology or information security concepts because they feel that it's you know esoteric, that it's that's IT's problem. Well, actually it's not. If you're talking about an individual layer or on an individual basis, risk management is your problem. You know, because on an individual basis, your risk management is your problem. That's not IT's problem. On a business basis, risk management is the executive management team's problem. That's not IT's problem. So a lot of the big failure is the failure in thinking. That failure in thinking comes down to uh, somehow believing that legal risk or financial risk are different from information systems or information security risk. They're not. They're just another risk you have to manage. There's, you know, physical risk. There's debt risk. There's, you know, contract risk. Right. These are all risks that an executive management team needs to be managing. And they cannot simply delegate information security risk management to somebody and then abdicate their involvement. Yet this is what I see happening in the majority of cases. So failures happen, such as the failure to see, simply even convey to directors that they are resource owners and that ultimately they need to work with IT to secure the assets that they are the resource owners for. Great example of that is take a facilities director. Is the facilities director the resource owner for the HVAC system? You're darn right they are. So let's say the facilities director is, is feeling like they're fully under control over the physical security of the HVAC system, and they probably are. Right? Do they lock the room? Yeah, of course they do. Do they control who goes in and out? Do they control access to that? Do they ensure that it's only authorized personnel for authorized reasons at authorized times? You're darn right they do. Then why is it IT's responsibility to secure digital access to the HVAC system? Well, it's not. And if it is, if it is, then I'd like to see that policy written down because IT will secure that asset. But then what that turns into is that that resource owner, the facilities director, no longer has a say in how that's done, right? So they can't claim that it's IT's responsibility and that IT has authority over the digital access of that asset and then simultaneously complain when IT denies their access 
because the facilities director refused to participate in coming up with an extension of the policy that they actually wanted, but to extend it to the digital side. All right, because clearly what we articulated here is that the facilities director had a plan where physical security was important, right? They acknowledge that the resource owner, they design a physical security plan. That digital security plan is equally as important, if not more important, because the probability of damaging the HVAC equipment digitally is easier and higher and more difficult to detect than a physical security attack. Okay, so this is the great example I'm giving you about that differentiation where the executive management team needs to understand that if they do not tell all of the managers in an organization that they need to take responsibility for the ownership over their resources, then what needs to happen is that the executive management team needs to make you know, the CISO or the IT department full total authoritarian control over those resources, but then that turns into a big can of shut the heck up to the people who've abdicated their responsibility to be involved in the process. Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say that IT is responsible for the security of those assets, but then refuse to be involved in the conversations about who should be having access to what and when and claim that, you know, you don't have time to talk about it. It's not important. Of course it's important. Are you the resource owner or not? So you can't make it somebody else's responsibility to define the policy around who has access to that resource that ultimately you're responsible for. And then yet get grumpy when your access or the people who you thought should have had access to that resource have their access denied because IT is trying to clean up the mess, right? You can't have it both ways. So whose responsibility is information security risk management? Ultimately, it's the executive management team, but they can delegate that through the organization to the resource owners. And at the end of the day, it really needs to be everybody in the entire organization's responsibility. Information security risk management needs to permeate throughout the entire organization. The end users of an organization are the largest attack surface that an organization has. They're also the ones who are going to pick up the phone um, when you know a, a, pers- a prospect or a customer or a vendor calls, and they could be leaking data that shouldn't be getting leaked. You know, most of the time, the people who answer the phone are trained to be accommodative and to have customer service, not necessarily to, you know, protect the organization. So, what training has though have those people who answer the phones received? What guidance have they received? So information security risk management is everybody's problem. Okay, now let's get into how do you take that concept and turn that into how do you be sustainable going forward over the next decade? Well, you have to work on information security risk management every day. Most organizations are not. They think 
that they can only address two of the four pillars of information security risk management and be okay. And the way that they want to address that is hire somebody to have responsibility over that problem and then abdicate their involvement. I mean, this is the number one plague. It's, a, it's frankly, it's a plague. You know, do I hire a lawyer and just delegate everything to them and then abdicate responsibility, abdicate the involvement? No, definitely not. Do I hire an external accountant and just delegate everything and then abdicate the responsibility of being involved with them in decision-making and understanding what's going on? No, absolutely not. That would be crazy. Why are you doing that with IT? Why are you doing that with information security risk management? I mean, trust is all fine and dandy, but we're talking about how do you manage risk if you're not an informed risk decision maker? So how do you become an informed risk decision maker? Uh, bluntly, there's really only one way. You have to meet with the correct information security risk management experts on a regular basis. This isn't like the annual insurance checkup. You know, this isn't the six month physical. This is at least a monthly meeting, if not every other week. It depends on the size of your organization, depends on projects going on, the volume of activity. You know, are you in maintenance mode? Do you have projects? Are you, do you have gaps that need to be closed? Okay. Do you even know what your gaps are? And if you've had your IT folks come to you and say, these are the gaps and you don't have an implementation plan in order to rectify those gaps, if you're just choosing to not work on it, that is not a legally defensible approach. Plaintiff's attorneys say so. In the cases where a breach has happened, one of the most powerful things that a plaintiff's attorney has to come after you as the defendant is that they can establish that you didn't have an implementation plan for an information security risk management program. Well, interestingly enough, this is exactly what the IRS says you have to have if you're a tax preparer. So let's just talk about tax prep because it's tax season, isn't it? Taxes are coming up. Let's talk about some personal and business risk management. On a personal level, you're responsible for your risk management and some of the most vigorous risk to you can come when your personal information is compromised. So how do you select a tax preparer who you can actually trust their information security risk management practices? That's hard. That's really hard. The more you know about information security, the more suspicious you're going to be and the more concerns you're going to have about more and more and more tax preparers not being qualified in that space. And the size of the company is not a correlation of their capabilities. It's not a correlation of their protections. I mean, I've seen very large nationwide 
tax preparation firms have very poor internal segmentation controls. Uh, they allow 100% of their internal staff to have access to all of the client records. That's pretty problematic because that just basically means that people who have no business looking at your client records are able to see your client records. That's a problem. So that's, that's a pretty darned important question to ask. So there should be more of like a pod-based approach where it's like, here's the tax preparer and then here are the one or two people that help them. And that should be like, you know, the Chinese wall, basically. It should be, there's no reason that your data gets shared across, you know, a company of 30, 50, 60, X number more people. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. What are they doing in terms of uh, internal access to information? Has everybody at their company gone through cybersecurity awareness training? What's their new employee or seasonal worker onboarding process? Are they required to go through cybersecurity awareness training? Is everybody required to have an individual account? Is, is multi-factor authentication enforced? Uh, who has access to the tax records? You know, who has access to accounting records? How is that pod system broken up? What are the total number of people that would have access to my client records if I do business with you? These are pretty darned relevant questions to be asking. And then I'd even take it a step further and say, show me, you know, you want me to sign a contract with you, you know, terms and conditions that, you know, I have to abide by if you're going to do my taxes. Well, let's turn the tables on that and say, show me your affirmation statement where you as a tax prep preparer have put it in writing that you are fully in compliance as a business with the IRS requirements for tax preparers. Put that in writing. Because if it's found out later on that they're not fully in compliance with that, then, I mean, I'm not a lawyer here. I'm not going to use the term fraud. But noncompliance would definitely be a legitimate term that could be used. So if the IRS is the authority that is providing the designation that an organization, that a tax preparer on an individual basis or on a business basis is an IRS authorized tax preparer, then the IRS is the entity who defines the standard for what is the requirement put upon that organization or that person in order to have that designation. Therefore, it's completely legitimate to be asking as a customer of that organization, show us your compliance statement. How do you comply with the IRS requirements for tax preparers? And if you get anything other than a fully prepared pre-made statement, you know, back, sent back to you, then um, that's problematic because it means that they're not prepared. So, you know, information security risk management programs cost money. 
having appropriate internal policies costs money. The protection of your data costs money. You know, disk encryption, appropriate endpoint protection, security zone segmentation makes a huge difference. Let's talk a little bit about security zone differentiation here and why it's so important. There's a huge uh, security breach that was going on with uh, Meta Tags. Meta is the parent company to Facebook. And Meta Tags are basically like, you know, they're pixels. They're, they are embedded things that have the ability to report data back to the data aggregator, Facebook and Meta. Depending upon how the website developer constructs things, they can misutilize those meta tags, those pixels, and misapply those to the point where they really steal a whole bunch of data that should have never been delivered to begin with. And that's exactly what some security researchers found. They found that many of the online tax preparation resources were grabbing you know, your actual name, address, how many kids you had, how much money you made, um, what was your social security number in some cases, uh, really, really, really sensitive data. You know, what schedules did you file? I mean, there's a lot of information that can be obtained about you just by looking at what schedules did you actually file and you know, clearly the data that was in those schedules, these IRS schedules that are, that are filed. So that entire thing could have been defeated by technical controls if the organization has appropriate information security leadership. Because you can look at an, a computer that is used for tax preparation services and inherently look at it and know that that computer should not have overlap with things like access to social media and access to advertising websites, um, online shopping. You know, it should be the same as a tightly controlled computer that is used for online banking. Okay, because if those tax preparation services were being conducted on that computer that had that kind of security zone profile, that kind of risk protection system in place, then the leaking of that data to the Facebook Metapixel would have been completely blocked. Because if you have the right security zone profile paradigm around those endpoints, around those computers that are used to do the tax prep, then those would never be allowed to talk to Facebook. You know, they would never be allowed to have access to uh, those types of analytics resources. But a company has to actually care about something like that. And most of the time, they care about just their workload. You know, I mean, it's not a matter of, I'm not saying that people are malicious. I'm saying that they have an incorrect paradigm. And that incorrect paradigm is comprised really of two things, is you have to have a consistent spend for projects 
to improve the, the cybersecurity and information security risk management program of the business. And two, you have to make time to work on it. So if you don't make time to work on it and you refuse to allocate a consistent monthly spend to the improvements, re reducing the backlog, implementing an information security risk program, having tabletop exercises, incident response plans, incident response planning, um, in general, you know, exercises, coming up with uh, ransomware response playbooks, reviewing internal policies. I mean, just, I could go on and on with this stuff. Uh, it's, it's a giant elephant that has to be eaten. It's a herd of elephants that has to be eaten. And most of the time, these organizations that I see out there, they, because of that paradigm failure, they're not dedicating time and they're not dedicating re budget to working on these things. And as a result, they stall and it goes nowhere. So are they compliant with the IRS and FTC regulations with regards to what you need to have in place in order to be an authorized tax preparer? I'd bet that that statistic is as high as 95% of tax preparers that are out there. Yeah. I mean, that's a scary poo-poo number. So how does this problem get fixed? You know, and I don't mean to just pick on tax preparers here. This is really exemplar for what's happening for most of the businesses that are out there. So if the whole thing is going to get fixed, it needs to get fixed from a customer demand perspective. Customers should feel comfortable asking these questions. Don't assume, okay? Don't assume that people have their ducks in a row. Don't assume. Engage in vendor risk management. Engage in third-party information security risk management. Ask the questions. You can be nice about it. You know, you can just say, hey, I went out to the IRS's website and I looked and it says tax preparers have to do these things. Before I do business with you, I would like to have a certification statement from you that says that you meet those requirements. And if they can't give you that or they won't give you that, then when it's this scenario that I'm talking about where, you know, the IRS is the, the governing entity that says that you are a tax preparer and you have to do these things. You have to have this stuff in place. But then you as a customer go to that tax preparer and say, you know, do you have this in place? And they better give it to you in writing because you want accountability. So if they can't give it to you in writing or they're unwilling to give it to you in writing, or if what they give to you in writing is some high hand waving hoop-de-doop that really is not concrete enough to be believable, then you need to take your business elsewhere and you need to tell them why. You know, or you could give them a deadline. You could say, hey, um, I would really like to have this from you within the next 30 days. And, you know, I just, I can't do business with you until you have that. Now, the reality is that it is possible for an organization to get their ducks in a row in 30 days. They'll have to throw some money at that problem. You know, they'll have to 
put some effort towards that problem. But ultimately, if they should have done that before, then they should have it in place. And the reason they don't have it in place is because you as the customer are not requesting it. So more governmental regulation is frequently not the answer to problems out there. What is the answer to the problems is to correct the demand side. Um, I'll give you a great example of this. Let's take a, a just a one topic, which is child sex trafficking. You know, I know it's a controversial topic. I'm, I'm only going to use it for the statement here of it being a demand problem. So if we really want to worldwide correct the problem of child sex trafficking, the demand for that would make it go away. You know, eliminating the demand eliminates the supply. You know, I mean, how many times have you heard, okay, if you build it, they will come? Yeah, well, that's not always applicable. Look at things in supply chain economics or supply side economics. Uh, that's one concept, right? But how does anybody do anything profitable, profitably if there is no demand for it? Okay, so if you really want to stop bad behavior or less than optimal behavior, it's a matter of stop demanding and stop tolerating poor service or um, you know, poor delivery, poor product, you know, stop tolerating bad product. Stop tolerating stuff that isn't secure. Uh, you know, stop thinking that you have no power. Like I said, you don't have to be a jerk about it. You could just ask the question about, you know, hey, I went out to the IRS's website and I saw these requirements. Do you have a written confirmation, affirmation statement for customers that says that you've got your ducks in a row and you're fully compliant with this. Because if they don't have that, I'd be giving them 30 days to give me that. And if they say, hey, I don't have the time for that and it's not important to me, well, I think you got your answer, right? I think you've got your answer right there. So that's how we're going to fix this stuff is on the demand side. Start asking questions. You don't have to be a jerk about it. You can just ask questions and you can indicate to your service providers that you need this as a customer and it is a legitimate request. So what this is going to translate to, and I'm going to wrap up with this concept. What this is going to translate to is the business owners and the business decision makers that are out there you better start getting proactive about these things. If you don't have an information security risk management program, if it isn't written, if you don't have a VCSO that you're working with, because you can think your IT people are going to do this. Okay, if they don't have like a certified CISO on staff, you're probably not getting the kind of representation that you need. Okay, IT... Not everybody is created equally. You can encounter people who are uh, engineers, you know, network engineers, systems engineers. They don't have the kind of skill set that a CISO is going to have. I mean, just earlier this week, I was in a meeting 
And the meeting expectation was that the people who needed to be providing the answers were engineers. And I'm a CISO. I happen, and I'm also an engineer. I happened to be in that meeting. And I answered 99% of the questions that came up in that meeting. And I did so in a way that was much more in alignment with protecting the client's cybersecurity and information security risk management posture than what an engineer would have done. The reason is because engineers don't live in that space. They're doing potentially strategic, but definitely tactical implementations of things. They don't live in the C-suite area of risk management. Well, I do. And many VCSOs do. Not all of them, but many do. So if you don't have a VCSO that you're working with, if you think that you can just reach out to your regular old IT and have them take care of that, you're going to get shortchanged. I'm not saying that they're not capable of doing any of it. I'm saying that you don't know if, you know, do you go to a paralegal for law advice or do you go to your lawyer? That's your, that's your delineation right there. You know, you can get some useful information from a nurse practitioner, but at some point in time, you need to go talk to the surgeon. And that's your differentiator that you have to be really thinking through. 